Disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, or professional broadcaster. The following are stories from my life and personal experiences and are the property of me. There will be profanity, quite a fucking bit of it, so please keep that in mind along with adult topics and themes. Listener discretion is advised. I've always wanted to say that. Hi, and welcome to Here She Comes, Confessions of a Retired Vibrator Seller. I'm your host, Jasmine Aziz. I'd like to start by saying a massive thanks to all my listeners around the globe. This little podcast is reaching people all over the world, which is awe-inspiring, and I'll be honest, it's freaking me out a bit, but in a good way. I don't know what I did in Australia or the United Kingdom, but a huge shout out to the big audiences listening there too. Thank you so much. As we return to my story, you may recall that I had just completed my first couples party, which was also my first $1,000 party. We skip ahead now to a few months into selling the toys. Lammy has moved to Toronto and is still living with his ex-girlfriend while searching for a place for us to live in together. I booked a party with a friend I met at belly dance class. You could say I expected to shimmy and shake and quiver me, shiver me up. Or is that just a shameless plug for the great musical breaks in this podcast? (laughs) It is. I had begun to lose weight since Lammy and I started dating. I hadn't changed my diet and I wasn't practicing belly dance as much as I had when we first met, but I had started to double up my efforts at the gym and had even taken up weightlifting at Lammy's direction. The first time we ever went to the gym together, he busied himself in the weight section while I ran on the treadmills upstairs. When he gently asked me if I knew how to weight train, I said, Oh, of course I do. I do the aerobics with weights class once a week. I could probably teach you a thing or two. He smiled wryly and backed away. I picked up two five-pound dumbbells and flung them around in front of the mirror for half an hour. While I was working out, Sondi, a middle-aged Indonesian woman I had come to know in one of the aerobics classes, came up to me and asked if I needed help with the weights. I'm okay, I said, and continued to flap my arms around randomly in every direction. Is that your boyfriend you were telling me about? Sondi asked. The one in the white tank top? Yes, the muscly one. He's big. You said he was big. Yep, that's him, I said casually and watched her stare at him while he glared in our general direction, grunting as he picked up a heavily stacked bar with weights. My partner Mickey is just behind him. Funny, you can't see him at all with your guy standing in front of him. Yeah, he tends to block out the sun. You're so funny. How long have you two been dating again? I don't know. It's been like five months, I think. Why? Mickey was telling me how beautiful he thinks you are. He thinks your man is pretty handsome, too. You make a very smart-looking couple. I put down my weights and smiled at her. I looked to see where Lammy had gone, but couldn't see him. Would you two be interested in coming over to our place for a nightcap? 
Sandy asked me. It's uh, one o'clock in the afternoon, I said. She stared at me for a few moments and then slowly smiled. The offer is open, she said very slowly. Later in the car, his voice dripping with sarcasm, Lammy asked me if my muscles were sore. Not really. I work out all the time, you know. I'm practically an athlete. Really? Because all I saw you exercising was your jaw. You were talking to that lady the whole time. I smiled, and his face lightened. I think she might be an alcoholic. She asked me if we wanted to come over for a nightcap in the middle of the afternoon. Lammy took a deep breath and shifted the gears on the car as he rolled his sports car to a stop in front of my house. Are you seriously that naive? They were swingers. Are you sure? I think she's just a drunk. Oh, wait, though. She did say her husband thought you were handsome. That doesn't make them swingers, though, does it? Never change. I love your naivety. Should I pursue it? You want to have a threesome, right? But I think that would be more like a foursome. I don't know. Is that how it works? Listen, next time we're at the gym, I'm going to show you how to properly lift weights, okay, baby? Sure. But riddle me this. If there are six people having sex, is that a sixsome or a sexsome? Lammy kissed me tenderly on the forehead. We never talked about the couple at the gym again. As my figure started tightening up, I'd been working hard to update my wardrobe and found that the presentations gave me the opportunity to wear sexier clothes than I would otherwise. I tried my best to be classy while still being sexy. After an almost nip-slip incident at one of my earlier presentations, I made a point of testing the depth of the shirts that showed cleavage by bending over in front of a mirror to see if anything looked like it was going to pop out. One of the staples of that new wardrobe was a series of velvet pants that I had ended up adding to my closet as a fluke. Lammy and I had driven up to a small boutique in Montreal to do some shopping for my family's business, which up until that time was the only full-time job I had ever known since birth. I had been working in the store since I was in the womb. At the age of 10, I was doing our business banking even though I could barely see over the counter. After my father's heart attack when I was 21, I took over every aspect of the business since he was no longer able to take care of things the way he used to, and his health initially was too shaky to expect him to return full-time. Gradually, I began to change the store from the displays to the product line. I got rid of the bongs, pipes, and heavy metal t-shirts and replaced them with hand-woven fabrics, linens, and hand-painted gift boxes from Thailand. The boutique Lammy and I drove up to see in Montreal was independently owned like ours, but had much funkier clothes than we were used to carrying. The owner looked effortlessly chic in her line of velvet, crushed velvet, and suede clothing. I didn't feel like it was a match for the store's clientele, but from the way Lammy was admiring her style, I decided we could order some stock and see how things worked out. On the drive back down the hills from her store, Lammy seemed disinterested in discussing any of the purchases I had made. He was unsettled from the first moment we got to the boutique and grew more agitated as I started to pick out items. I felt obliged to make the trip worthwhile for him. My company for the day clearly not enough incentive to make the trip worthwhile. On an impulse, I said, what if I just pulled out your dick right now while you're driving and I blew you? I began to tug at the top of his jeans. Are you serious? It was the most animated he'd been that day and all week. 
I didn't wait for him to decide. I undid the button of his jeans and unzipped him. His flaccid penis flopped out. He shifted in his seat. I thought about removing my seatbelt, but his driving made me nervous, and if we crashed as a result of the combination of his lead foot and my slippery tongue, I at least wanted the seatbelt in place to keep me from flying out the windshield, his cock in my hand, and no explanation I could live with for the police officer or worse, my mother. How does that feel? I asked, trying not to lock my hair in the steering wheel. He moaned a bit. His penis reacted a bit. This is so exciting. I said, doing my best to make the most of an awkward angle. Just as I started to think he was enjoying himself, he shouted, Cup! And I yanked my head up and sat straight up in my chair. He laughed. There was no police officer. I wasn't sure if he had made the joke to get me to stop, or if it was his idea of being playful. My heart was racing and my desire to pleasure him was gone. You can uh, keep going if you like, he said casually. I responded by tucking his penis back into his jeans, leaving the zipper and button for him to do up. We hardly spoke again for the rest of the drive home. The night of the party for the belly dancers, I decided it was time to assert greater confidence. I wore a white cotton blouse with puffy sleeves that buttoned down the front and one of the form-fitting velvet pants that I had purchased in Montreal. The pants hugged every single one of my curves. As good as I felt leaving the house, I felt my confidence begin to wane as I rounded the corner towards my hostess home. Lucinda, or Zarina, her stage name, offered to host a party for me after attending one that I did for another mutual belly dance friend a few weeks prior. I had done enough parties to know that when the hostess tells you she has 15 guests confirmed, not all of them will show up, so I would inevitably carry home extra stock. From the number of cars lining the street to Lucinda's house, I began to wonder if she actually had all her guests show up. Lucinda opened the door and I heard loud screams and wailing coming from inside her house. I'm really sorry, Jazz, but it looks like some people brought friends and I wasn't expecting them. They've all heard about how you do your parties, so they wanted to come. How many people have you gotten there? I counted 29? It won't be more than that, though. I'd packed for 12. I brought my bags into the foyer of her house. As I lowered the last one to the marble tile, someone from the living room spotted me and ran over. She wailed from the door's entranceway. Yalla, yalla, yalla! Come see what she's wearing! The fabric seemed to draw the women into the room to me like bees to a hive. Each one of them wanted to pet my pants, running their hands up the length of my thighs and calves. Geez, I haven't even taken the products out yet, and this party is already heating up, I joked. I told him you were really funny, Jazzy. A woman carting drinks from the kitchen shouted. I recognized her as a former hostess and a fellow belly dancer. Lucinda had assembled a collage of dancers from the community, some wearing traditional South Asian attire, others in jewel-toned vests with coin-laden jewelry. The group of them almost looked like a gathering of pale-skinned guests at a traditional henna party. You look gorgeous, Jazzy, a woman I didn't know said. I'm glad you like my pet-me pants. I have to say, I feel pretty good in them right now. I didn't. I was beginning to feel like a fraud. A fake. The more they stroked the fabric of my pant legs, the more I began to wonder if this experience was going to blow up in my face the way it had the last time I tried to dress outside of my comfort zone when I had first started to date Lammy. 
When Lammy was still living in Montreal and our relationship was still very new and fresh, he told me he was going to take me out to a fabulous bar on St. Catherine Street for a night of drinking and dancing. I had purchased a black flowered skirt in a local shop that was reduced to $5. It fell just above my knee and was not only the cheapest skirt I had ever bought, it was also the shortest. I also found a pair of black pumps with wide straps in the same store for $20. They were clunky but intensely sexier than any other pair of shoes I owned. Saturday night came and Lammy dressed up in a white shirt with dark blue slacks. He was simply dressed but the ensemble flattered his large frame and he carried himself with pumped up confidence. I emerged from his bedroom wearing my flowered $5 skirt and a red t-shirt with the chunky shoes. In my mind, I looked like a streetwalker. In his mind, I probably looked like a 1980s high school reject. Is that the skirt you're wearing? Too short, I said coyly. Didn't think I had this trampy style in me, did ya? He wouldn't stop staring at me. His expression completely unreadable. So I quickly added, it cost me five dollars. After a moment, he responded, I can tell. He must have sensed that I felt extremely confident in my outfit, so he let the subject drop. I struggled to walk in the shoes as we went up the hill on St. Catharines. He offered a few times to try to find a closer parking spot, but we had already spent close to 30 minutes looking for something, and I grew anxious that if we looked any longer, his mood would spoil and he'd start a fight. Perhaps in my mind, in fact, for sure, only in my mind, my black flowered skirt was trendy and fashionable. To anyone over the age of 10, it was obvious that I had no sense of style and that I clearly wasn't from the city. Slim women of every color filled the bar wearing tight-fitting dresses and blouses with funky scarves and accessories, their makeup and hair styled to perfection like they had just walked out of a salon. Lammy shot me a look to see my reaction, but I refused to admit that I looked like an extra from the set of Facts of Life. I started drinking, and four shots in... I stopped caring that my feet were beginning to blister and that even in four-inch heels, the gaunt women of the club still towered over me like basketball players. At one point during the evening, a fairly robust Russian man kept trying to angle his way next to me while I was dancing. Lammy had had a few drinks and was beginning to loosen up enough to let himself do what he described as dancing on the dance floor. His rendition was eyes half-closed, arms moving up and down, mimicking a bicep curl, while feet shuffled left to right, then right to left. I was just drunk enough to think it was adorable. I never noticed Lammy watching the Russian guy, but apparently between his half-squint, nothing was left unseen. On the Russian's third attempt to squeeze in close to my backside, Lammy leaned down over my shoulder and uttered a sound so like the growl of a bear that the horny little dancer threw up his hands and exited the floor. I feared a back alley fight later that night, but it never happened. The only battle that was waged was between the tender skin of my feet and the cheap, man-made material of my chunky shoes. By the time we arrived home, both of my feet had blisters on them that bulged out around the straps like barnacles protruding on wood planks. My feet bled when I peeled the shoes away from them and I ended up driving home barefoot the next day because it was too painful to wear my regular shoes. We didn't have sex that night, but Lammy held me closer than he had the nights previous. The sound of that primal growl that had emanated out of Lammy's chest in defense of me in the bar resonated in my ears all the way home the next day.
I thought of opening my presentation to the belly dancers with this story of my limited fashion sense, since costume making was part of their everyday existence, but I felt like they expected more from me. They stared at me like I was a stand-up comic, and they were breathlessly waiting for the first joke to allow them to let their shoulders drop and their bellies roll with laughter. I felt that familiar nervous sweat from when I first started doing parties start to build on my skin again. I wiped my dewy palms on the crushed red velvet to the delight of the dancers sitting in front of me. One of them reached up and stroked my calf as a few others shouted, Yella, yella, yella! There was no dancing around it. I needed to get on with a presentation before one of them flung their beaded belt at me, or worse, offered me money to take off my pants. Thanks for tuning in. I'm very pleased to say if you'd like to buy a copy of my first novel, Sex and Samosas, you can now purchase it directly from my website, jasmineaziz.com. Fill in the optional inscription box and I'll personally sign the book to you. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and review it as it really does help a lot. You can also reach out to me via social media. I'm on Instagram, jasmine underscore aziz, on Twitter, at jasmineaziz, and I'm on Facebook. Or you can email me, jasmine at jasmineaziz.com. Until next time, remember that the best part of life is love. So be sure to open your heart to it, because here she comes. Just a popcorn dreaming, gonna red and box the cut of you up. I'm gonna shiver you, shake and quiver you.